Hey everyone, it's Father Pat, here today to offer you my reflections on the scripture readings for today. Our readings today are from the 31st Sunday in Ordinary Time. A reading from the Book of Wisdom. Before the Lord, the whole universe is as a grain from a balance, or a drop of morning dew come down upon the earth. But you have mercy on all, because you can do all things, and you overlook people's sins, that they may repent. For you love all things that are, and loathe nothing that you have made. For what you hated, you would not have fashioned. And how could a thing remain unless you willed it, or be preserved, had it not been called forth by you? But you spare all things, because they are yours, O Lord and lover of souls, for your imperishable spirit is in all things. Therefore you rebuke offenders little by little, warn them and remind them of the sins they are committing, that they may abandon their wickedness and believe in you, O Lord. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our response, I will praise your name forever, my King and my God. I will praise your name forever, my King and my God. I will extol you, O God, my King, and I will bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you, and I will praise your name forever and ever. I will praise your name forever, my King and my God. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness. The Lord is good to all and compassionate toward all his works. I will praise your name forever, my King and my God. Let all your works give you thanks, O Lord, and let your faithful ones bless you. Let them discourse of the glory of your kingdom and speak of your might. I will praise your name forever, my King and my God. The Lord is faithful in all his words and holy in all his works. The Lord lifts up all who are falling and raises up all who are bowed down. I will praise your name forever, my King and my God. A reading from the second letter of St. Paul to the Thessalonians. Brothers and sisters, we always pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling and powerfully bring to fulfillment every good purpose and every effort of faith, that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you, and you in him, in accord with the grace of our God and Lord Jesus Christ. We ask you, brothers and sisters, with regard to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our assembling with him, not to be shaken out of your mind suddenly, or to be alarmed either by a spirit or by an oral statement, or by a letter allegedly from us, to the effect that the day of the Lord is at hand. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. At that time, Jesus came to Jericho and intended to pass through the town. Now a man there named Zacchaeus, who was a chief tax collector and also a wealthy man, was seeking to see who Jesus was, but he could not see him because of the crowd, for he was short in stature. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree in order to see Jesus, who was about to pass that way. When he reached the place, Jesus looked up and said, Zacchaeus, come down quickly, for today I must stay at your house. And he came down quickly and received him with joy. When they all saw this, they began to grumble, saying, He has gone to stay at the house of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Behold, half of my possessions, Lord, I shall give to the poor. And if I have extorted anything from anyone, I shall repay it four times over. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man, too, is a descendant of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save what was lost. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. 
On December 30th, 2006, former Iraqi President Saddam Hussein was executed by hanging at Camp Justice, a joint American-Iraqi military base in the suburbs of Baghdad. Video of the execution reveals the celebratory shouts of his executioners at his death. Many others who were not present also cheered at Saddam's death. They included Iraqi families who had suffered during his regime, either through his brutal treatment of certain ethnic populations, his harsh, harsh retribution against his political enemies, or his war crimes. They included foreign nations who were victims of his aggression. They included at least three American presidents and proponents of democracy around the world. But one small group of people did not cheer. A dozen American soldiers who guarded the prisoner Saddam during his final weeks of life. They were sad, even outraged. One soldier had to be physically restrained by his colleagues while lashing out at the cheering crowds. These men had developed a genuine affection for Hussein. They had played chess with him and smoked cigars and exchanged stories. Saddam had asked about their personal lives and even wrote poems for their girlfriends. The former dictator apparently also was a prolific writer. The soldiers believed, they knew, that Saddam Hussein had done terrible things. But as one of them said, I know I should hate Saddam, but it's not easy. And another, I feel like I let him down. I almost feel like a murderer, like I killed a guy I was close to. The Book of Wisdom was written by a Jewish exile in Alexandria in the first century before Christ. He was, like many of his contemporaries, a fish out of water. He lived in the largest city in Egypt, a land where his ancestors once lived as slaves of the Pharaoh. It was now a center of learning and trade in the Roman Empire, yet heavily influenced by Greek culture, uh, that had proceeded uh, since the Greeks had preceded uh, a Roman rule there. The Jews in Alexandria lived among those who denied the legitimacy of their God and the law that they followed. The Jewish exiles there sought to isolate themselves from those who threatened their heritage. And yet wisdom's author offers a different point of view. Both Jews and Gentiles searched for wisdom. They were just looking in different places. The Greeks looked to philosophy and mathematics and the sciences to make sense of the world and to find the truth. The Jews looked to the author of life and the creator of all things. God is wisdom. And yet if that is so, then God also created the very peoples and cultures at odds with the chosen people. And so the wisdom writer addresses the Lord thus. You love all things that are and loathe nothing that you have made. For what you hated, you would, have fa you would not have fashioned. For your imperishable spirit is in all things. Yeah, the God of Israel loves the Greeks, the Egyptians, and the Romans. His spirit lives in them. And though they do not know him, in seeking wisdom, they are seeking and longing for him. And what's more, as the author says, therefore you rebuke offenders little by little and warn them and remind them of the sins they are committing, that they may abandon their wickedness and believe in you, O Lord. So God not only loves them, but he is patient with their sinfulness while he actively seeks their salvation. The wisdom writer doesn't deny the essential truth of what the, tru of, of what the Jews believe, for it's the very wisdom that every person seeks. And then he reminds his listeners that God wants to be known by all that he has created. And who better to make him known than those who already know him? But you can't do that through isolation, but only through immersion proudly and joyfully proclaiming true wisdom to those you once thought to be enemies, but in fact are merely estranged brothers and sisters. In the gospel, Jesus visits Jericho and meets a man isolated from everybody else by the name of Zacchaeus. Luke identifies Zacchaeus as a chief tax collector, 
driving home the point that Zacchaeus, in a lucrative job in one of the wealthiest cities in the region, was a very rich man. But as an agent of the Roman government, collecting tax imposed by them and enriching himself by adding on the customary exorbitant commission, he was despised as a traitor to his own people. He likely had few friends, and to top it off, he was really short. Zacchaeus was very unlike most of the others that Jesus helped. The chronically ill, the lame, the blind, the deaf, the leper, the possessed, or even the prostitute. Most people could find it within themselves to have pity for any of them, but no one pitied Zacchaeus. He was a rich man who got rich by exploiting his neighbors. He was a bad guy. He had no redeeming qualities. Except one. He was a descendant of Abraham. Zacchaeus was rich, and they were not. He was a notorious sinner, while they at least attempted to live honorably, if not always perfectly so. He was short, and he had no friends. But he wants to see Jesus, and was even willing to make a fool of himself to do it by climbing a sycamore tree. The Jews want to see Jesus too. Jesus desires salvation for Zacchaeus just as he desires it for all of them. Whether they like it or not, Zacchaeus is their brother. St. Paul wrote lots of letters to the early Christian communities. While some are preserved for us in the New Testament, there were likely many more that were lost. It's interesting to note that Paul's tone and message is distinct in each letter, as he himself grows in faith and wisdom. The first letter to the Thessalonians was written around 50 AD and is the first of Paul's letters to survive. At that time, he seems to believe that the second coming of Jesus is imminent. But in his second letter, from which our second reading today is taken, he realizes that the return of Jesus is unknown and could be far into the future. Paul has grown in the wisdom and knowledge of God, but he's tolerant of those who are not there yet, while himself unafraid to boldly proclaim what he has learned. Paul knows that whatever their errors, those who believe otherwise are on the same journey as he is, the search for wisdom in the person of Jesus the Christ. Male or female, Jew or Greek, slave or free, they are his brothers and sisters. Last week, a U.S. senator attended a game of the American League Championship Series in Yankee Stadium, proudly dressed in Astros gear. You can imagine that the New York crowd voiced its displeasure, but everyone in the stands shared a love of baseball. That same senator, the same week, appeared on a daytime talk show with a panel that regularly criticizes his politics and positions. Everyone on the set that day, however strongly they disagreed, shares a love for our country and the right of every citizen to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. In the early 18th century, Alexander Pope wrote in his essay on criticism, to err is human, to forgive is divine, a proverb that may have originated with the first century Greek philosopher Plutarch. You have never met a person who is not seeking wisdom or happiness. You will never meet a person who is not seeking God, whether they know they are seeking him or not. We are all brothers and sisters. No one of us will be truly wise until we stand in the presence of wisdom for eternity. Until then, we acknowledge every human person as a seeker, in error to a greater or lesser extent, depending on how far they have traveled along the road. Look deep within yourself to find the divine spirit of forgiveness and patience within you so that you can see that same divine spirit in your brother or sister, no matter who may, they may be even if they're rooting for the Astros. Go Phillies. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Have a great day.